For many companies, strategy is a painful process executives and managers face reluctantly every year. They often overcomplicate it, weave it into the annual planning and budgetary cycle. The result often isn't a strategy at all. In this episode, I talk to Chris Fox about how to make strategy simple. Hear Chris explain how to take the pain out of putting together a strategy. Listen to him explain how to separate strategy from the bureaucracy of annual planning and turn it into a blueprint for business success. That's all right here in episode 88 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey folks, welcome to the Empath Podcast. First, apologies, I missed a week last week. I did have the episode you're about to listen to in the bag, so to speak, but I got a really bad cold, lost my voice, and wasn't able to record the introductions and links. I still sound a little gravelly, but finally, the show can go on. So, thanks as always for downloading, streaming, and listening to the show. Please, share the Empath Podcast with your friends and colleagues. Just a quick tweet here, or a quick email there, would really help to grow the audience, and I'd be really grateful for your help. If you want to appear on the show, just get in touch at rogeredwards.co.uk. That's rogeredwards.co.uk. So let's talk strategy. And I know strategy makes people's eyes glaze over, but it's so important for business. And if we keep it simple, we can make it effective. My guest this week is Chris Fox. Chris is an independent strategy expert. He describes himself as a problem solver with a strong strategic and project management delivery capability. He has a broad range of experience in international financial services, including marketing, strategy, M&A, and technology. Chris has developed an online strategy tool called Strategic Learning App. So let's get right into that interview here on the Marketing, Protection, and Finance podcast. And so, Chris, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thanks, Roger. It's great to be on your show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. It's a lovely day down here and uh, just enjoying it. And uh, actually, I was going to ask you, where are we Skyping each other from today? Because obviously I'm in Edinburgh. Where are you? Right. I'm based in uh, Cobham in Surrey, which is the home of the uh, Chelsea football training, as well as the American Community School. Right. And we've known each other for quite a long time, Chris, although we've never actually worked directly together. We have worked within the same organization, Royal London, on a few occasions. And like me, I think you're quite big into strategy. And and today we're going to have a, a conversation about strategy and how you can help businesses of all sizes with their strategy and, and how important strategy actually is and perhaps how strategy is often overlooked by small to medium-sized businesses and potentially by financial advisors. But before we get into that, Chris, why not tell everyone listening to the podcast a little bit about yourself, where you came from, where you're going, what your ambitions are, and, and basically what makes Chris Fox tick? Right. Thanks, Roger. So, um, as as you know, I'm sure, and as others can probably tell from my accent, I'm not originally from around here. I grew up in Cape Town in South Africa, obviously, mm-hmm. and I spent the first 10 years of my working life uh, in Cape Town doing software development for various financial service providers. And we'll, we'll come back to why that's relevant mm-hmm. uh, in a short while. Um, and it was about 16 years ago that I came across um, uh, with Old Mutual 
uh, to London. Right. Um, they'd listed, if, if you recall, um, some time ago. And I came across with them on a two-year secondment about 16 years ago and have just never been back. Uh, absolutely loved it over here. Our daughter was born over here and um, this is now home. Um, so as I mentioned, I started off doing software development, but um, even when I was doing that, I always had this uh, need to understand not just what was it the systems were supposed to do and were they doing it correctly, but why were they supposed to do that? Mm -hmm. And for example, I got involved in a number of businesses where I was working on the software for these businesses, but what quickly became apparent was that the underlying business model that these um, businesses were pursuing was never going to work. Okay. Um, and I started thinking increasingly about um, why that was. I eventually went back to university and re-qualified with an MBA right. um, and got uh, more firmly into the strategy space mm -hmm. where I've been, broadly speaking, ever since. Originally working with financial services firms inside the firms, um, but in the last couple of years going out as an independent um, strategy consultant, which is where I am now. And in terms of what drives me, I think the fundamental thing is I'm just curious. I want to see the bigger picture. I want to understand why the big surprising things happen in the world. I want to understand why some companies seem to have a license to print money, um, whereas <laughs> other companies seem to be on this kind of a, a dead-end spiral uh, to nowhere. And, and although I know none of us can predict the future, um, it seems to me that there are some people who are good at anticipating it and other people as well who are good at shaping the future. And I, I've spent the last sort of 16 years um, learning how to do those things um, and loving every minute of it. I think seeing the bigger picture is obviously a very important part of any strategy. And I obviously work with quite a lot of companies on their strategy as well. So we've got quite a lot of things in common there. And I think that unfortunately, strategy has a bit of a, a poor reputation, doesn't it? I think that a lot of people associate strategy with a, a quite a painful time in the in the annual corporate calendar often strategy is um, is when the great big pack arrives from the center of the business with about 10,000 pages that you have to fill in and you've got to put up put together plans financial plans staff numbers and everything like that and it and it becomes almost all consuming and in in reality probably isn't proper strategy it's just planning do you find that people when you talk to them about strategy, tend to glaze over or, or actually fear it? Am I not the only one? No, I, I, I think you're 100% right. I think in the first instance, a lot of what passes for strategy uh, either isn't, isn't really strategy, as you say. It's really just business planning. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of what uh, passes for strategy as well is, frankly, rather poor strategy. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, we, we can talk about what that means and why. Um, if you like. But I, I think that leads people to be fearful of strategy in the first instance and disbelieving of strategy right. in the second instance. So I think if you take fearful in the first instance, the corporate strategy slash business planning process is often an intensely politically charged process. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of organizations, you have sort of a corporate center asking the um, the different business divisions to submit their strategies, and that all gets sort of collated up. Um, and it becomes a political battle where obviously the corporate wants uh, more profits and lower costs 
irrespective of uh, what's happening in that business's operating environment. Um, and the business may, be, may have some strategic ideas or some challenges um, and is looking for investment. And, and, it, and it becomes sort of a political battle of wills mm. between uh, the various constituents of, of the strategy process. And, and, and that drives perhaps the, um, the, the, the fearful side of it. So, so the so the other aspect I think is a lot of people are disbelieving of the value that strategy adds, mm-hmm. and um, and and I think that's the case where where strategy is poorly done. So there, there are lots of things about strategies that make them poorly done, which make them a bureaucratic, time wasting exercise that doesn't deliver any real change. Yeah, and I've got a lot of empathy for. Um, the people who say, you, you know, you see this in, in online forums and in publications, people declaring strategy is dead. We live in a new environment which is much too rapidly changing and dynamic for strategy to add any real value. Yes. And my, my personal view, and this is borne out by uh, my own experience of working with clients as well as reading um, case studies of other organizations, my, my personal view is that's just plain wrong-minded. Mm. Um, but I can understand where people have been um, party to strategy processes that have not been done well, why it might seem that way. And for me, part of the challenge is to get people to understand what really good strategy looks like, um, how they can be part of a really good strategy process, and how that can deliver real meaningful change. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I'm with you on this. I like simplicity, and, and I like to try to encourage people to try to extract the true strategic element out of all of those annual plans. So I'm not saying that you don't need to do the financial statements. Of course you do. You, you, of course you need to do the, the planning around staff. You need to do the planning around IT development, et cetera, et cetera. But let's extract the true strategy from that planning process and make people understand how, how important and how strong it is. So if we were to keep the strategic part of it simple, what, what are the processes that people need to go through to come up with a strategy for any, any sort of business, Chris? Well, I divide it into um, four clear different stages. So mm-hmm. I, I can step you through those very quickly, if you like. I, I think the first step in any strategy process is a really basic, fundamental understanding of both the internal and the external environment. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can usually summarize that in, in the SWOT statement, much maligned SWOT statement. Yeah. Um, people think it's too simplistic, but, but really that boils it down to the nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. What are the strengths and weaknesses and what are the opportunities and threats? And there's a lot of other tools that you can use to help you um, uh, work through what those might be. So, you know, people look at um, sort of a pest analysis, which looks at what are the um, political um, forces of change within the industry? What are the economic forces of change? The socioeconomic, the technological. People sometimes add on environmental and legal, depending on the industry you're mm-hmm. operating on. So, so, there, so there's lots of different frameworks that you can use to flush out that uh, basic fundamental analysis. Um, but I often encounter um, businesses where they haven't. They just haven't done that fundamental analysis. Instead, what they do is they build a sort of data vacant narrative, and they tell them stories about how they think the industry works, mm-hmm. um, without really questioning them. I remember working with a client um, uh, once some time ago, and one 
they had a particular number which was really fundamental to the business and it was a really basic and simple number and every key decision maker in the business knew what this number was. Okay. And I went in and started asking some questions about that number and quickly uncovered that the number was completely wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was a number that had been made up by a relatively junior person several years ago because they'd been, been put under pressure to come up with a number. So they'd made this number up. It hadn't been revised for several years. So it was, you know, even if it had been right at the time, it would have been wrong by now. Yeah. Um, and yet they were basing their whole conception of the business around this number, which was uh, completely wrong. So I think the first step is you've got to get a really true, honest, and as much as you can, objective understanding of what's actually happening in your business and in your competitive environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The second step is you've got to be really clear about what you think your strategic goals are. Right. And, and that sounds really easy. Um, but at the same time, it's something I see people just get wrong time and time again. So, you know, people come up with um, bland statements like we want to be first for customers. <laughs> yes. um, and you say, well, as if you could have possibly come up with an alternative strategy that said we want to be second for customers. Yes. So that makes no sense. It's not really adding any value. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think one of the reasons why that's particularly different is executives, decision makers, tend to be fairly strong-willed. Let's face it, you're not going to get to uh, any position of power in a large organization unless you're fairly strong-willed. Of course. So they tend to be very strong-willed and have very well-formed uh, worldviews. And they don't like to compromise. No. So, so you, you end up in a room where you're trying to do strategy with a handful of people with very strong but often diametrically opposed views. And strategy becomes a process then. You come up with this really artful compromise where you come up with a form of wording which doesn't require anyone to give up their worldviews. But as a result, it doesn't really mean anything particularly much. So everyone walks out of the room thinking they got what they want. But in fact, you didn't really get anything. And everyone else in the organization is then left wondering what on earth the strategy means. Because <laughs> yeah. It's such an artfully worded compromise of everything and anything. I mean, some so, of those sessions can become so painful. I, I know exactly what you mean. People argue about the nuances of little words and you spend yeah. hours crafting a couple of sentences. Yes. And as you say, it, it can end up being ambiguous, vacuous, meaningless. And it confuses the rest of the people in the organization. But as you say, all the um, the, the high-ups walk out rubbing their hands together, thinking, I'm happy I'm at my, my corner's been defended. So yes. we've, done, we've, we've, we've looked at the first two um, facets of a good strategy. What are the next two? So the, the next strategy is, at some point, you've actually got to decide to do something about it. Yeah. So I, I've seen examples, and, and this typically happens where you, when you have a very charismatic leader, and they'll paint a very bold vision of what they want to achieve, um, but when you have the conversation about what steps are you taking to achieve that, mm -hmm. um, you get the kind of, well, I don't, I don't really get involved in that level of detail, my people will sort that out. Yeah. Um, and you say, well, well, that's not really a strategy then, that's really um, just an ambition. So I think you have to, and, and this is where strategy crosses into sort of project and, and program management mm -hmm. and those sorts of disciplines, you have to get absolutely very clear about what you're going to do, who's going to do it, and by when, and be able to map that back to the um, high-level strategic goals mm -hmm. 
that you've said. And, and that sounds fairly basic, but as I say, there, there, there are people who actually just seem to skip over that step and hope that um, if they just evangelize their goals enough, their people will um, miraculously figure out a way to do it. But of yeah. course, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. The, the fourth step is really the step about accountability. Um, and I'm a great believer in um, the mantra that uh, you can't manage something if you can't measure it. Mm. And I know that's a very controversial statement, but until you can get clear enough about what it is that you're trying to do, that you can come up with some measure of it, you probably aren't clear enough on it. Mm-hmm. And, and secondly, of course, if you aren't getting that feedback loop, you've got no real way of knowing whether your strategy is actually delivering what you set out to deliver yeah. or whether you've just created a lot of busy work. So um, people will be running around, everyone's working hard and delivering the strategy, but you're actually not really moving in the direction you want to do. So, 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 so those are the four key steps that I think are, are essential to any successful strategy. There's, there's the analysis part, there's the setting the long-term goals part and breaking that down into objectives, there's the planning steps that you need to take um, in order to achieve those objectives. And then there's that feedback and control loop that says we're measuring and we're tracking whether we're achieving those objectives and we're making appropriate adjustments if um, things aren't turning out the way we originally thought they would. That fits pretty much with the way that I approach things. I, I, I quite like to have it right in the um, top of my mind, almost like uh, four questions, and that, that I articulate them slightly differently, but I think it en- ends up with the same sort of results. So I'm encouraging people, number one, to ask the question, who is my customer or who is my ideal customer? And there are elements of your environmental analysis in there. You know, you need to know demographic, you need to know the markets that that, that customer is in. The second question is, what is the problem that that customer has that you need to solve as a business. The third question is, how can we solve their problem better than anybody else? That's going to give you a strategic goal and an ultimate set of objectives. And I guess the fourth one is, how can we solve that problem better than anybody else, but also make some money as well in the process because we're a business and we need to ultimately make money. And effectively, that's that's going to give you this, the same sort of outcome. So, so Chris, you've actually done quite a lot of work um, in addition to the consulting work you've done with some of your clients to actually build some software that's going to help people with this. Uh, and it's called Strategic Learning App. I've got it up on the screen in front of me here on my um, PC. So t- tell us a little bit about that. That's right, Roger. So uh, w- one of the other things that, that you maybe don't know about me is I really enjoy long distance running Okay. Uh, w- w- when I can. And one of the things about long distance running is you end up with a lot of time on your hands because <laughs> um, you don't get many volunteers when you ask your friends if they want to come for a three hour run. Right. So you end up with a lot of time on your hands. And I spent a lot of that time thinking about what I was doing mm-hmm. um, in my strategy consulting work mm-hmm. and what I wanted to do and how I could uh, take that forward. And it's it's a little bit of a story of um, uh, you know the old story of the cobbler's children who oh, have yes. no shoes. Yeah. And and I looked at the strategy consulting um, process and industry, and I realised we've been doing more or less the same thing for the last roughly ninety years right. since since McKinsey and Company first set up, and and that is basically. You take a bunch of really clever individuals, and some pretty clever individuals, let's be honest out there. You yeah. take some clever individuals, they do some analysis, um, and they end up with a thick document, um, usually some PowerPoint slides, very attractive, very compelling, 
of recommendations. And, and that's basically the way strategy consulting has been done mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember. There's obviously nothing wrong with that per se. I mean, it's been quite a successful model. But as strategy consultants, we spend all this time looking at our clients and their successful models and, and, and what could we do to improve them. Mm-hmm. But it struck me no one was really looking about how we make strategy consulting itself um, better and how we take it forward. That's interesting. So, so, so then I started thinking, well, okay, so I'm a strategy consultant. As I look at strategy consulting, uh, what would I diagnose and what would I recommend for myself? And I looked at the, um, you know, some of the things that we've uh, talked about already. So one, you know, the big criticism here about strategy is that it's an annual process. It produces a thick document. The thick document sits on the executive shelf, yeah. <laughs> uh, usually for about a year. Until the they end, have to update it. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the year, someone pulls it off the shelf and says, oh, my goodness, that didn't go quite according to plan. And there's this sort of post-rationalization process, um, which is quite a good conversation if you've had a good year. And as you will know, uh, quite an awkward conversation if you haven't had a good year. And everyone start, uh, the process starts all over again. And you, you repeat the process um, for, for another year. So... People complain that the, the strategy document is essentially a dead document. And uh-huh. they've had this idea, you need to make strategy a living document. And people have been talking about this for years, but no one's, of course, uh, been able to do anything about that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that was one of the first things, um, uh, the, the first parts of my chain of thinking in terms of what would I like to do differently. Uh, the second part of the chain of thinking, I, I think we've really covered, there are lots of things about the way we do strategy that we don't do very well. Mm-hmm. And as a result, people produce some really poor strategies. But as we've just discussed, if you follow a basic structure and a basic uh, process and approach um, and make sure you tick all of the boxes that, that we talked about, answer all of those questions, and make sure that the answers to those questions you can actually align and demonstrate that they align, um, you've got a much better chance at the end of that process um, of having uh, of having something that's going to actually create some real value for your organization. And then the third thing that I realized as I was uh, doing all this running was that, um, of course, I could write another book about what it takes to do better strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, but having read lots of books about what it takes to do better strategy, um, my view is it's largely been written already, and so writing another book about better strategy probably wasn't going to help. I was already writing a blog anyway, yeah. which, which I enjoy. Um, but what I thought I wanted to do was build an actual tool that people could use to do better strategy and to kind of break this reliance on this idea that the only technology you can really use in strategy consulting is emailing big PowerPoint decks. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, if I could build a tool that provided the structure that we were just talking about to make sure that people went through the strategy process consistently and make sure that everything lined up, and to turn, uh, to take that so it's no longer just a, a dead document, but this uh, living document idea, mm. that that could take the way we did strategy and strategy consulting 
um, to the next level. So I set out to build that. Now it took me um, took me quite a long time to do it, if I'm honest, because there was a lot of thinking that had to go into it. Yeah. And of course, I was um, you know I tend to be fairly busy with actual client engagements. Um, so it's something that happened over a period of uh, two or so years on a on a relatively slow basis. But I'm really pleased that I've now got to the point where that website that you're looking at um, is a working version of that vision that I've just described. So it's a software as a service online environment where teams of people can co-develop and deliver real strategies rather than just write strategy documents. Um, it's based on uh, the underlying data model is a superset of something called StratML, okay. um, which I don't think very many people have heard of, but it's the International Standards Organization's uh, standard for strategy and performance plans. Mm -hmm. So it's a superset of that data model, and it overlays across those data models some of the key models and tools that um, support those four phases of strategy development and delivery that we talked about earlier. Um, and it does it in a way that's structured around a team environment. So it employs some social capabilities. Right. So the idea is it draws people in to really engage with debate, provide evidence in support of or to contradict the concepts uh, in your strategy on an ongoing basis. And then the last thing it does, it has some inbuilt tools to check those consistencies. So our, it'll, it'll check... Um, how do the goals map against the strategic insights you've had about your customers and your operating environment, right. etc.? How do the um, performance metrics map back onto your goals? How do the how do the plans that you've said you're going to do to deliver it? How do they map onto the goals? Which which goals are perhaps um, being uh, un under supported? by change initiatives, right. and equally, where do you have change initiatives that don't really strongly align to your strategy? Mm -hmm. that's, that's quite common. So it pulls all of those things together in this online, um, team-based um, environment, which hopefully, the, the, the process that you have then is a living document rather than just something that's going to sit on a shelf. And, and you, can, you, you can use it to track your progress as you deliver um, the strategy as well, so you can um, record your uh, actual performance against the designed performance metrics. And of course, this can be used by, you say it's, it's used for t in a team environment, but it could be used by a small company, a medium-sized company, or, a, or a, a, a large company. Yeah, it could even be used by an individual who is just looking at their life or their business as a sole trader and saying, am I clear on what I'm doing and why and am I doing it purposefully. So effectively what you've got is you could be a small financial advisor firm, you're wanting to re look at your strategy, you come along to your tool and effectively what it will do is it will take you through those four stages that we discussed earlier and as you say will deliver a living document, something that you can actually use, something that you can actually um, take with you on your journey as opposed to just putting it on the filing um, on the filing cabinet and, and forgetting about for a year. So it, it really gives people a hands-on way of making strategy simple and I'm all for that Chris. Absolutely. 
So Chris has got a lot of work gone into this. And obviously, as you said, you've been um, balancing the work that you're doing with your clients with the work that you've been doing on the software. What other challenges did you face getting the initiative off the ground and how did you overcome them? Well, the, the first challenge, obviously, was that after 16 years of strategy consulting, I'd um, largely forgotten how to build systems and the technology <laughs> has moved on. I told you we'd come back to my 10 years of systems development yes. before that. So I had to relearn all of that, um, which was uh, quite challenging, although I must say I really enjoyed it. It's slightly like riding a bike um, in that you never really forget. Um, but of course, all the tools and the technology um, has changed, and we're now in you know software as a service in- environment poses uh, a number of different um, challenges. Uh-huh. So I had a pretty steep learning curve um, uh, to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, as I think we mentioned earlier, time's a big challenge. Um, I'm usually fairly in- busy with client engagements. One of the um, one of the ways I did it is a lot of my work involves a fair amount of travel, mm-hmm. uh, which means uh, lots of time alone in hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess uh, investing in relearning how to build systems and actually building the system um, seemed like a pretty good alternative to um, watching junk on TV. <laughs> um, but certainly the amount of effort that went into a, learning how to do it, and then B, actually doing it, mm-hmm. uh, was, a, was a pretty significant challenge. And that's why I'm so pleased to have got to the point where I think it's ready to, uh, ready to be used in anger. So it's out there, Chris. You've launched it. You've developed it. What's the one big idea that you'd like those people who are listening to the Empath podcast today to take away from the experiences you've had to this point? Well, I think one of my um, big messages always, and, and, and this is around strategy in general, independent of of the application I've been developing. But one of the key messages for me is to realize that strategy is a real job. Yes. The same way marketing is, finance is, human resources is, etc. It's a real job with um, a real body of knowledge and a real body of experience that you need to bring to bear if you want to do it correctly and well. And I think one of the things that frustrates me is how many organizations expect their leadership teams to do strategy off the side of their desks. Yes. And it's usually as part of the business planning process, which let's face it, as, as I think you said earlier, is a difficult enough process as it is. And they're expecting their leadership teams to develop strategy on the side. And what you can see that usually doesn't work very well. These are busy guys, they're fighting fires, they're dealing with day-to-day challenges, and many of them just lack the experience and skills to do real strategy. So they do their best, uh, but then often they fall short of the mark, and that leads back to that uh, original proposition that a lot of people have, that strategy doesn't really add value and the world has changed and we shouldn't be doing that. I think these are such good points, and I really want everybody who's listening to the podcast today to really take heed of them. Strategy is important, but we have made it complicated. We have made it a process by embroiling it within the annual planning process. We've made it something that people 
resist. We've made it something that people fear. This is an opportunity for us to sit back and say, no, strategy is so important. We can make it simple. We can turn it to our advantage. And by doing that, we can really create value for our customers. And I think what you've produced here is is a nice little wake-up call for people, not only within the financial services industry, Chris, but hopefully anybody else out there who wants to work, develop a decent strategy for their business. It's something they can really work with. It's been really fascinating to talk to you about this, Chris, today, and we could probably go on talking about it for quite a lot longer, but time is pressing, and I'll always like to finish the podcast off with four or five quick-fire business questions. So if you're happy to stay around for a few more minutes, let's just hit those questions now. Chris, what's the one thing that you would change about the financial services industry if somebody gave you a magic wand to wave? I think... Probably what I would say is I'd like the financial services industry just to be a bit more bold and different. I think a lot of what I experience in financial services feels a little samey. Yes. Everyone's watching everyone else and everyone's copying everyone else, essentially. And I know that the regulatory environment, obviously, which is quite heavy in this industry, doesn't make it very easy to be bold. But that's the real challenge, I think, that financial services face. And, and I'm quite hopeful. You know, we're starting to see a lot of interesting stuff come out of the fintech segment. Yeah. I'm quite hopeful that that's going to introduce some real change in the industry. But by the same token, if it does, then those established players who've been sitting copying each other for the last 20 years um, are going to experience um, some pretty massive disruption. So, so, that, so that would be my... Let's stop copying each other and let's get down to real basic strategy and try and do something really meaningful here. That resonates with me as well. Again, complexity doesn't win your customers and copying doesn't win your customers. Chris, what's the one business model, or it could be a product or it could be a campaign, that's caught your attention in the last year? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. I... The, the, the one that has my attention at the moment, and I might be breaking your one-year rule because <laughs> it's a little fine. older than a year, but, but I'm quite fascinated by um, Uber. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you wind back a couple of years, if we'd been having a conversation and I'd said to you, Roger, in a couple of years' time, we're all going to be talking about a taxi booking system, um, you would have probably thought I was nuts. You yeah. Know, it's, a, it, it's an established, not very exciting industry. And yet here we are. We've got mass protests and court cases around what was this very stable industry. And I think the other interesting thing, of course, is they've now uh, turned the entire industry on its head, but waiting just around the corner, you have uh, Google and various other companies talking about driverless cars. Yes. And so you think what, I think it could either be a fantastic opportunity for Uber to apply their taxi booking system to driverless cars, mm -hmm. or it could completely break the business model because, of course, all the drivers yeah. um, who have made Uber what it is are, are going to be slightly unhappy about that. So, so I think there's still quite a big game to be played uh, in that industry, and it's fascinating to watch. And going back to the answer to the first question, of course, Uber have disrupted the taxi business. Airbnb have done the same to the hotel business. What is going to come along and disrupt the financial services industry to the same extent? I'm really keen to see what that might be. Chris, tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your working life. 
So I'm guessing you want me to answer something other than strategic learning apps. Absolutely, itself. although you are allowed to plug your own product, that's fine. <laughs> of, uh, of course, I'd love to plug it. Um, but if I had to look at something else, and certainly something that was before I developed the app, I'm a big fan of Evernote. Yes. And I collect ideas and data in all forms, be they web pages, documents, spreadsheets, sketches, photographs, quick notes. And I, Evernote is just fantastic because it brings it all together in one place. I've got it on all of my devices and it's really easy to search and use. So I can be in a workshop with someone and we sort of working out some ideas on a, on a flip chart or a whiteboard or something. And I'll whip out my phone, I'll take a picture of it and Evernote will have filed it under the right project and be ready for me to work on before I've got back to my desk. And um, I, that's just fantastic for me. What's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it. So there are a lot of fantastic books and I like to read as widely as I can. But the one I'm going to give you today is uh, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, okay. which is by Richard Rummels. And, and the reason I'm going to give that to you is because while there are lots of books which talk at length about what good strategy looks like, um, this one is one of the few ones that really calls out the proliferation of bad strategy mm. and it talks at length about some of the things that we've been talking about today and illustrates in in much more detail than we've been able to how those things happen and how much damage they do uh, to the businesses where they're applied and finally chris i'm hoping that the people listening to the podcast today might want to reach out and get in touch with you to talk about some of these strategic issues you've raised today so what's the best way that people should get in touch with you the easiest way to get in touch with me is if you go to www.chriscfox.com and there's a tab there for contact, which has got my phone and email, and a tab for connect, which has got uh, all my various social media accounts that you could connect on. And I would be more than happy to um, to take any, any calls or contacts to talk about any of these issues. And in fact, I was going to go a step further and offer to do some go-to-meeting demonstrations of the software for um, some listeners on a first-come, first-served basis. That's a really generous offer. So what I'll do, Chris, is I'll put the links to your own personal website, plusstrategiclearningapp.com, in the show notes of the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash NPAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash NPAF. Chris, been fabulous to talk to you today, a subject after my own heart. Let's keep strategy simple. You're blazing a trail to keep strategy simple. I wish you every success in the future, and hopefully we can catch up at some point for a beer or a coffee. Thanks, Roger. It's been great talking to you today, and uh, I'd certainly love to catch up for a beer or a coffee uh, whenever we get the chance. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?